Okay, hello. Uh, we got uh, another special episode of Dune Dudes here. Um, as as we uh, kind of wind down Dune Dudes, it feels like we're kind of like looking back on like what what are the things that we 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 really wanted to accomplish or um you know ensure was a part of dune dudes itself you know like what 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 are the things that we need to to have done in order to feel like dune dudes itself can it can at some point be considered a kind of done to feel a sense of doneness for dune dudes um and so this is kind of, I don't know I feel like we're um it's not, it's, it's not an apology tour. Like, we're not here to make apologies, you know, but it's like... It, Some it, apologies. To, will be made. Not all me. apologies. No. Uh, yeah, never mind that. Am I right? Good, that was good. Um, but... That was good. But, but we're still in utero, so... Oh my God, you know, okay. We're just little babies. What do we know? <laughs> Go drink some bleach, you fucking. Oh damn, you got me you there. Guy. Um, I, I, what, what I'm trying to say is like, there's this to me. There's like this kind of feeling of like, um, to, I don't know. It, it it's really to bring a sense of closure. I feel mm. like I'm talking around this thing. I'm already getting ahead of myself, but, um, as ever, we are your dudes. Um, and. We have another very special guest for you today, ladies and gentlemen and dudes of all kinds of Dude Nation. I am I am so thrilled to introduce my brother Brendan Kelly. Brendan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yes, I am very excited to be. Um, to be here on the number one Dune podcast for dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, About I'm Dune. a big fan of the show. I I followed through um, much of the uh, the corresponding episodes to the three books that I've read. Mm-hmm. Wow, that makes me only half as well read as the two excellent dudes before me. Connor and Connor, Thank but you. Um, you know I'm no stranger to the Duneverse, no. as it were. Um, so, who knows where this night will take us? But we can probably talk some film and some books. Absolutely, yeah. Music, who knows? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, it's we. There's infinite possibilities um, ahead of us. But I, I will say, as far as guests go, we have had a few on. Um, this is kind of, you know, in our, our kind of farewell tour that we're doing and, uh, you by far have, have the most Dune experience or mm. Dune experience. Um, so, so yeah, this is, this is exciting. You know, most, most people, they get through the first book and they stop. Um, and you know, a lot of people would, would, uh, tell us that it was ill-advised to do all six and, you know, I mean, they might be right. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a personal, uh, decision for everybody. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very excited. Um, 
to have you on the podcast um especially because yeah it's 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 just kind of uh you know be interesting to get um you know the the differences in opinion between the two brothers you know yeah no i i'm with that too we, we definitely have some different opinions as I'm aware from conversations Connor and I have had. Um, but that's, you know, that's just true of, you know, a- any complex multifaceted universe is going to spark, you know, some different uh, conversations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things like Connor and I kind of landed on like like talking about dune and and figuring dune out it's like it's funny because i think when people try to jump into dune the question that i see asked a lot is like well what is dune about and there <laughs> loaded question yeah yes. right i there i think i think for like a normal person like there is a a concise answer you could give to try and try and give like the the beginnings of a plot synopsis to the first dune book but and yeah yeah that's one of them but like once the more you read the books you're like what is dune about man like i don't know um it it definitely promotes critical thinking for sure and and asking like endless questions which is why we can talk about it for so many hours and not feel like I'm just treading water. Um, so, yeah, there there are a, definitely a lot of places that we could start. Um, but but here's where I'd like to begin. Um, Brendan, when when Connor and I started Dune Dudes. Um, it wasn't too long after that you made the decision to redo as well. Um, can you just talk a little bit about like, I don't know, I guess like your Dune journey, even like your thoughts on Dune, like before you read it, like throughout your life, like what was, what was your like experience with understanding Dune and, and how did it feel to like come to the book when you did and kind of like finally sit down and read it beginning to end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I owned a copy of Dune probably for a good like five-ish years. Um, so I had like lined myself up to read it. I was, I was keen to read some Dune. Um, I knew very little about it. I had seen bits of the, the the film version with with sting yeah. um, <laughs> i knew about Tchaikovsky's dune and like the documentaries that existed around it uh, i knew like what some of the dune references were obviously sandworms featured heavily in pop culture all my life going all the way back to my childhood with like Beetlejuice heavily featuring sandworms. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, it hadn't ever really hit mainstream culture 
it wasn't, um, you know, and all of its adaptations had uh, failed to catch the public's imagination. They were very much the Dune fans, um, or were just curiosities of the cinematic universe. But um, so, so unless you read Dune, you know, you really didn't know a lot about it. And um, and then growing up, you know, I was born in the late '80s, so like people were mostly into reading. I know a lot of people who were reading Star Wars and Star Trek books. I didn't know anyone really who had read Dune, although perhaps many people had. Yeah, like not having read it myself. Yeah, no one was like, "Oh, yeah, it's." It's, you know, you're reading Star Wars, you should read Dune, which, you know, I don't think I would say to someone if I saw them reading Star Wars books, you know, one's more like pop or pulp fiction mm -hmm. sort of you know, fun stories. And, and Dune is, is more political, more social. It's a great book reading it as an adult. Yeah. I wonder if I'd find it captivating enough growing up. Probably. I mean, mm -hmm. I read Lord of the Rings in middle school. So, I mean, you can get yourself through all that poetry as a, as a young teen, then you can certainly get yourself through Dune. It's, it's a pretty modernly well-paced book. Um, the world building is excellent. I had a lot of fun reading it. This was just, this was what, in 2020? Um... Yeah, yeah, 2020, April 2020, we started. <laughs> yeah, some good old, right. So it was like, hey, the world's ending. I might as well fit Dune in. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finally, I have the time. Right. <laughs> and uh, much like, at least my brother, I know like the intention was just to kind of dip our toes in maybe get through the first three mm -hmm. maybe and then um which is where i ended up stopping but um you guys you guys took the the doom pill yeah we yeah and we kept have to going yeah we 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 went to the the dune end of the pool for sure yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah that's you know i knew it, about it yeah it's, yeah but, uh, sorry, Connor. Go ahead. You know, my question is because you are a few years older than Connor, and uh, you know, I, I guess the, the late '80s. I was just kind of curious if, if like that movie had any, like, if if it was still fresh. And like, I mean, obviously you were very young then, um, but uh, um, you know, obviously like Star Wars, uh, you know, was was out in the late '70s and in the early '80s, and the 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 shock waves lasted up until i mean they're 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 still reverberating you know um so it's just interesting to hear that like you only saw you know like like clips of uh the 85 dune movie and and just how quickly it, it was maybe swept under the rug in the cultural zeitgeist yeah growing up at that time and we weren't like a big cinema family <laughs> Um, a lot of the movies we knew and watched were on TV. Yeah. So if the film wasn't syndicated or whatever the right word is, then it was, you know, 
tougher to get. You know, you'd have to go looking for it at, at your local blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, um, I, I've got a lot of memories watching, um, uh, like anime blocks with you guys on in uh, on the floor yeah. of your your old bedroom. Yeah. Saturday mornings or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That was. I mean. It was very TV. What you know, whatever was uh, replayed on TV, and I feel like, I feel like Dune was never like syndicated that same way. No. So I, I don't think I really encountered Dune until like my high school years. I would say the early two thousands. Um, it probably got some play on Sci-Fi around then. Mm. Probably cross promoting with their own miniseries. Yeah. Which I also didn't like stop and watch. I was too busy watching Stargate. Mm. All ten seasons of it. Yeah. yeah. You... Come on, Dean Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> so, also with some heavily featured desert planets. You know. Yeah, that's all. The go the Goulds are uh, like Egyptian-inspired aliens, right? That's like their thing? Yeah, they're a parasitic race. Yeah. Um, that takes over human hosts and um it's never made entirely clear by the film or the tv series whether they um co-opt already featured gods and goddesses in early humanity's history or if they themselves create the gods and mythologize themselves both of which are kind of problematic um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's, that's where Stargate starts. <laughs> right. It's interesting places by the time you get to the end of it. That's cool. Yeah. I remember you really watching the hell out of that show. So. Yeah. I really did watch the hell out of Stargate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, longest running sci-fi series on TV. At might time, still have right? that title. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe been dethroned now. I think there are ten seasons. Yeah. Y'all are forgetting about Doctor a... Who. Yeah, there there but, might be a distinction there. Yeah, there's no continuous. Well, maybe now Doctor Who's continuous. Now, considered. yeah. Well, so so it, I mean, it did twenty six seasons initially, um, right? Which is which I, I think by itself does. Uh, win it the record but now now we're at 13 consecutive seasons right started back up in 2000 exactly so yeah really yeah have that record now and i i mean not to be but i am it's, it's connor will i know we're on a radio show but connor you can see uh, yeah yeah out of a tardis in fact oh. i i recently described that very tardis mug to connor and alex his girlfriend last time i was over uh, because Alex was asking about like TARDIS mugs for some reason, I forget. <laughs> and I was like, my brother has the coolest freaking TARDIS mug. It even has a little lid that you put on top to like keep your drink warm. Yeah, and it's I've the seen top those. Of the TARDIS. I've seen those yeah. out in the wild before. Those are very, very cool. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, let's get back to Dune. Yes. Let's get back to. Dune. I would love to be on your Doctor Who podcast. Someday. That'll happen one day. It'll happen one day. <laughs> we we have tried to get one off the ground, but it didn't stick. 
No, uh, I mean it's it's uh we just get Connor really drunk and then have him like recap episodes. That is what happens. That was the idea. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tired and relatively drunk in space. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Dune. Well, so um. Okay, so we kind of covered like your history of like. Right, what you knew about Dune before you came to it, and then you went to read it, and, you know, you, you mentioned, yes, it's fascinating to read as an adult, um, with all the, the different themes and, and topics that Herbert uh, incorporates into his writing, very true. Um, I do want to just give a shout out, too, because as you were reading, not only did you read Dune, but... As far as I'm aware, you are the only person who has read Dune while simultaneously listening to our Dune Dudes episodes on it. And you read in five chapter increments, stopped, listened to the podcast, and then continued to read and actually followed along as you read. So, like, you... And and you were showing off your cool... What are those? Post-it notes you stuck in your book? These are the post-it notes that mark the five-chapter increments. Yeah, that's awesome. I did this for all three books, but um, I borrowed books two and three, so I gave those back when I finished yeah. them. Um, I, I don't really know. I don't know if it's too far up my own ass to ask this question, but uh, what was your experience of like? as well as you remember, it was a little while ago now, but what was your experience like um, reading through Dune and listening to Dune Dudes as you did it? Can you speak uh, like about that a little? Yeah. Well, I'm going to have a very personal take on it because um, I grew up with both of you. Um, <laughs> True. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it was charming. Uh, you know, when maybe other people would not find it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty maybe. much it, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but I often found myself laughing or being entertained by your banter. Um, as the episodes got longer in length. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it left what I consider to be the sweet spot uh for me <laughs> sure because sometimes like monty python i'd be like get on with it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um some bits went on for the you know i in fact i i would say specifically the uh the theme song yeah <laughs> Yeah. Tension, debate, yeah. banter, whatever <laughs> you want to do. That, that, that really went on the whole time, and I really... And sometimes it'd be like 30 minutes before like the podcast really even started. I know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, we're all finding our voice and our audience as, yeah. as, as uh, novice-turned-professional Doom Dude podcasters... Right. What became the number one podcast for dudes about Dune. Absolutely. It's true. <laughs> and it's still you true, know. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hear episodes got even longer. I, I don't know yeah. if that yeah, yes, that is all true. content or if it meant that like there was an hour long debate about who was gonna sing or not sing. But um, uh, could, I mean 
the the jury's out. I don't think we can confirm nor deny. <laughs> I, I I mean I I want to mention that I I do think that it 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 kind of did balloon content wise. Where like um, I remember kind of getting to a point where like we would do like the twenty thirty minutes of banter in the beginning, and then um I like made it a point. It's like without ever realizing that it had turned into this, but like just like very deliberately, like just like combing through each chapter that we read and it's funny because like i remember or not that i remember but like I, I go back and listen to the earlier episodes sometimes and it's funny to me to 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 re-listen we don't even talk about all five chapters there's no like oh let's talk about chapter two like the the first season we're pretty much just very like free form uh and then eventually it's like i i feel like i got so fixated on thinking like well I, I don't know, like, the more I read Dune, the more Dune made me talk about it. It's like a little Frank Herbert Gould crawled inside of my body and, like, took me over, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, all, all I could do was talk about Dune. And we weren't reading more Dune, so it's like I had to, like, look deeper into Dune to talk more about it, you know? So I, I think there is, like, a weird, like, journey to the way that it's structured from beginning to end. But yeah, I mean, from the for episodes me, I think, do indeed get longer. Yeah. Yes. I mean, with, with five hours being our, uh, I think the, the peak. Yeah. Um, but I think the issue there is, <laughs> is that it kind of, uh, it kind of snowballs because, cause we never stop talking about a, a book or a chapter. Like it's, it's always a constant conversation. So the more we read, the more we still have to talk about. Like, exactly. So we keep on bringing back, you know, like references and, and ideas. And so it just kind of all gets smushed together until we have six whole books that we're talking about pretty much at once. Like in yeah, the last episode true. of Chapter House, we talk about the first Dune book a lot, you know, like so it's 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 um yeah. And, and uh, you know, we did talk about the, the lengths where like I think we have been doing these two and a half hour episodes like like this is maybe getting oh, a yeah. bit much yeah we, at, we talked at, about it a yeah. lot yeah and then at, at a certain point we're just like okay, well we're it, you know it is what it is we're not gonna yeah. we, we can't cut it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we half-heartedly tried and then it didn't you know yeah. didn't really work so could always think about an abridged Yu-Gi-Oh abridged mm. yeah mm-hmm. the, the doom dudes edit <laughs> right. yeah absolutely <laughs> No, that that could be good for people jumping on. We could get Duncan from Idaho on that. That's a very good um, idea. Yes, our producer would love to to do he's that. He's the guy who, yeah, he, he's he the handles guy, all yeah. the uh, all, all the stuff in the background. He's the the producer. He makes it sound, you know, professional. Indeed, <laughs> you do. Thank you. On uh, I guess on on the the topic of um. All, all the banter that we have and, and the meandering ways of uh, the podcast. Maybe let's, I'll, I'll refocus it. Um, but I, I think I, I don't know, maybe I'll pass it to someone. Cause okay. So we talked about, well, you know what? No, there is something that I wanted to mention because originally Brendan, we were going to, um, originally we were going to talk about the movie. That's, that was kind of the yep. idea of having Brendan. I mean, Having my brother on the pod- podcast has been a long time coming. We've talked about this for months and months and months off and Ever on. Ever since he he finished the first book, I think. I, I, yeah. 
both were like, yeah, we should have him on. Yep. Um, but, you know, for one reason or another, it's, you know, it, it didn't coalesce. And now here we are, the movie comes out, and me and Brennan are talking on the phone. He's like, oh, yeah, like, I thought it did a lot of interesting things and this and that. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me your thoughts on the movie now, because <laughs> we should talk about it on the podcast. And then we never fucking talk oh, about God. it. And, and then we were talking about setting this podcast up, and I was like, do you still want to do the podcast? And Brendan's like, yeah, but I don't know how well I remember like what I was going to say about the movie. And I'm like, oh, no, it's fine, but I feel bad, because it, it felt like you had all this stuff you wanted to tell me that was probably really interesting and insightful, and... I don't think we're ever going to get to have that conversation now. Every conversation you have is, you know, exists in that moment in time and then is a little bit different if you try and have it later. But that's okay. We get to have our own unique conversation now. I'm very happy to be here. Okay, Lito. Um, yeah, that's I'm a... Sure, that's a, that's a sure the more Doom we talk about Doom, the more we'll come back to mind. Yeah, but absolutely. I think the movie is a good place to focus conversation around because then invariably we'll bring books into it. Sure. But, yes. Yeah. Do you, is there a place in that conversation that you want to start? Um, if you have movie prompts, um, you know, this is. Okay. How about this more... then? <laughs> um, how do you feel Villeneuve's adaption? Um, how well or not do you feel like it succeeds in bringing the story of Dune to the screen? I I thought it was, and I've only seen it once. Be so um, right right when it came out. Um, and uh, I definitely look forward to, to being able to watch it again. Um, I thought it was quite successful. The um, the eighty five Dune uh, suffers a lot from from its edit. Have you watched from, that as well? I did watch that. I watched yeah. After I finished the first book, I watched um, the film and um, the first part of the or I think after I finished the, the third book I watched the sci-fi miniseries um the first three episodes or the, mm. the part one portion of it but I didn't finish it gotcha um so uh, but watching watching Doom 2021 it it um, it's a lot more focused. I really enjoy the choices it makes, um, about the scenes it keeps, the things it combines. I really enjoyed the choices they made, and I'll be a little hard pressed, for examples again, like when I think about not remembering it super great. But my impression was that this was a much better paced film. Um, it was able to create spaces for quiet or appreciating the, the scope of, of Dune 
Um, cinematography was very well handled. I know we have um, some of the same crew from Blade Runner 2049 involved. Um, also a film with, you know, that that sort of red color palette. It's a little unusual in film, um, but which obviously fits very well. Or I should say more of an orange color palette, but which fits very well into a, a desert uh, planet yeah. and gives us, you know, a very... It's not like a vibrant world or a saturated world, but it's still decidedly different from a lot of the blues and grays we get in a lot of our cyberpunk dystopian sci-fi that all has to be very gritty. Yeah. And then we constantly see those muted blue uh, color palettes dominating our, our sci-fi series. Uh, and having a muted orange color palette is really a breath of fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but, that's, um, that's true. Uh, but, you know, I mean, a lot has already been said, I'm sure, about, you know, the special effects and the imagination that they brought to everything from the ornithopters to the sandworms. There's a lot of attention to detail and in, in making things feel believable. Um, like that they have a you know, purpose and and function and utility in this universe, um, and um, and some were were very well done. The, the Fremen kit um, was very well done. Steel suits in, in all adaptations, you know, are are being modified with with the camera in mind. You know. Mm-hmm want to cover your entire cast <laughs> in full body suits unless you're trying to save a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you can't. <laughs> but um uh ornithopters were very pretty. Um you know, when you're reading the book, I remember, you know, you're trying to figure out a lot of things. Everything from the the Orange Catholic Bible to the to the navigators to the shield wall. You know, and um, I thought that um, this version of Doom gave life to those things um, in, uh, certainly in the most cohesive way that any adaptation has managed. But, mm. um, but yeah, re- I really, really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed which scenes, again, um, they chose to focus on. That there's a lot that goes into that the the part I guess what you might describe as actually part two of doing if you think of part one being uh, Caladan mm-hmm. but um, everything leading up to uh, Paul and Jessica being lost in the desert and, and coming into Fremen society as um because um, you wanna you wanna get to that part quickly, but you <laughs> you don't want to get there too quickly. Um, and in the book, as we know, you know we have all sorts of dinner scenes. We have multiple scenes, you know, where where Fremen come and go. Um, and I'm I'm lumping all of the Fremen into that when I say that. But there's mm. the um, 
the, the Dune Dude's favorite. Um, the, the housekeeper. Oh, uh, Shout out Mapes. Shout out, mates. Or Mapes, yep. depending on your <laughs> pronunciation. That was yeah. insane. Just thinking about that now, that's an insane way to say that name. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I, I do now say Mapes, just like I also do say Bene Gesserit instead of Gesserit. Yeah. But um, I mean, that's I, that's I'm, more I'm understandable. Not, I'm still not really, I'm still not really happy about. But Mapes, Mapes, uh, yeah. I, I listen. I said when I said it, I knew it was wrong. Yeah, I just yeah. think Mapes is a weird name. It, but, it is. Yeah. It for sure is. Yeah. Dune is full of weird names, so. But yes, Mapes, right? Yeah, a lot of a lot of Fremen interaction. I mean, I, I it it's it's really cool. Um, it it is a tough a tough ask, I think, to um, condense to to condense like that that whole. What what sort of is like a two hundred page long introduction in a way until right. all the shit hits the fan, yeah, into a into a movie because you have to feel like the the plot is moving forward. You have to feel like it's going somewhere. And in the book, Herbert handles that so well, and like just by the nature of of, of reading it and the way that he can like structure that story. Like the the chapters themselves that you read them, you know things could be taking place simultaneously, you know yeah. one on top of the other, out of time. But you know, of course, you're reading it in a way that feels like forward momentum. But in a in a movie, to edit it that way is is so much more of a tough ask, um, yeah. and usually does end up with things getting cut out, which is what happened here. So. Um, I think you're right that that's a, a definitely a, a strength of the film. It it's it's tough to not think like, oh man, I really love that scene from the book, but yeah, there is also like kind of that under, understanding that um, you also cannot take the book and put it through some machine that just like perfectly recreates every page into a, a movie scene because it would be a terrible movie. So um, it's just yeah, it's, it's just really weird. Fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, Connor? Or anything you want to um, mention about that? Yeah, I mean, the, the the thing that popped into my head about the, you know, interaction with the Fremen, and this is something that I've seen people say that I think I do agree with, uh, and it's, you know, I, I've got very, very little criticism for the film. I think, um, I mean, it, you know, was, was really, really fantastic for me um you know i know you guys are, are are huge star wars people um and i i like star wars but i've never been you know a mega fan um or anything um but you know watching dune in theaters you know to me it did it kind of felt like a star wars moment when people say like oh that when i saw star wars in the movie theater for the first time um and and you know i've seen it like six times now so um but uh kind of j just like the lack of Fremen in Arakeen is uh, something I wish they did more of. We see them in the, um, you know, the uh, the the Pilgrim Fremen um, in that one scene and then in, in, in their landing um, on Arrakis. But um, but that, that's one of the things that I think that um, the sci-fi movie or the sci-fi miniseries did better. You can kind of see it populated city a little bit yeah. better um but that's you know that that's that's a minor 
critique um but that's just i mean not super relevant but you know talking about the fremen made me think of it yeah yeah this film um is you know on the one hand i think you're right to say it's more star wars like right it's catering to a more cinema um audience and, and expectation of what's going to sell well and uh because the book is more along Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and if you're not gonna make, you know, a ten-hour season of uh, you know episodes to like give space to all of that political intrigue, then which they could do easily. I mean, not then, not easily, right. but they could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then your other direction is to make a movie, and if you're going to make a movie, then you're gonna want some. And, um, and to hold on to action scenes more frequently than you hold on to dinner scenes. Totally. Uh, and of course, the movie does. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I think Denis definitely went into it with that mindset, but also, I like, I mean, I, I think Denis making a, a popcorn movie compared to, like, you know, uh, Michael Bay or... Um, or J.J. Abrams making a yeah. a popcorn like they're they're two <laughs> just completely different things and uh, yeah I, thankfully I, yeah yeah I mean thank <laughs> God um, but in my mind that like comparing it to like, like you know like a New Hope or whatever um, to me in my head there's like an kind of like an innocence about it that or like a purity about it I guess that I kind of feel like um, kind of makes me feel similarly. Um, Especially like like the Caladan scenes, um, I think uh, it's it's uh, hard to de- you know describe, um, but but uh, yeah, it you know feels like um, feels like it, you know it, it was made with the best intentions, I guess. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm happy with with how it turned out. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's what you mean, but thinking about comparing. Dune 2021 with A New Hope and then feeling like there's a sense of innocence to it and focusing in on the Caladan scenes. I mean, to me, the natural parallel there is um, Luke's time on Tatooine yeah. before mm-hmm. all the shit hits his respective fan and he kind of, like, it's kind of funny because I actually just watched A New Hope today. I was making dinner and I put it on. I don't know why. Wow. I was I was actually going to watch a Christmas movie, and I started watching a Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, You're like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> no, fuck it. These Muppets a, fucking suck. It's a great movie. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tolerate any Muppets slander on the podcast. Um, but I, it, it wasn't doing it for me. So, uh, yeah, I put on A New Hope. And it, it, I mean, I've always thought this, and even when we were talking to Grady, um, I was kind of talking about like, yeah, honestly, like if you're coming into a new hope and you're not a star Wars fan since like being a kid, I, I, I think it's kind of boring, honestly. Like mm. there's a lot of time spent on Tatooine by today's, by, yes. oh, by today's standards for mm. sure. Yeah. And most of yeah. it is like really slow. Most of it's not even shot that like interestingly, like it's just like plotting and, yeah. um, I mean, I like it. I I have like that same yeah, like that that feeling. I don't know. I like the word that you use, like a purity to it, almost in the sense that um, you know, perhaps because it's it's not 
made with the idea of like trying to um be as efficient as possible or uh you know that 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 it does feel like there's like missteps in it um kind of gives it that sense and i i don't think that's the same as what's going on in caladan because i do think denis um was very very conscientious about how much time that he spent there and that he he did it with like a very keen eye yeah but the the time that is spent on Caladan does feel like like genuine time does does make it feel like a real place and and you do get to see like those interactions with the characters in like their um in like what they would consider to be like their normalcy right mm-hmm. like you need to like understand like what is normal for this family so when they are like literally thrown out of their element and brought into Arrakis and into the the trap, you know, like mm-hmm. you, yeah, you have the, the before um, and after. Yeah. What'd you say, Brendan? Sorry. Establishing contrast. Yes, that's the yeah. For sure. That's it. That's it. So, um, yeah, Denis does do a great job of that. I really loved all the stuff on Arrakis. Um, I still think having the 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 bullfighter figurine and and the focus that was put on the bull's head when they were moving and everything um that like that's one of those things that it's such a little thing that if you have never read the book i mean you might notice that the film is lingering on it but you're not going to feel lost like what the fuck's going on with the bull's head so like in terms of like efficiency i fucking love that move because it's a stroke of genius yeah like non-book readers whatever you're golden you just keep watching if you've read the book it feels like they just shove in like all this fucking density and 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 like ominous feeling and just like a two second shot of the bull's head you're like i know and yeah. it, it gives you a like a big yeah a big feeling yeah. of dread and excitement yeah yeah um, i mean i'm also hoping that i mean it's not just for fans of the book i mean fans of the book might might know what future scenes you know We'll, we'll use that little bit of film for um, but um, yeah hopefully they're just establishing things so that when people watch part two or whatever the future of doom holds you know that they can be like oh yeah they did that way back in one i think yeah. there's a lot of that yeah a lot of that with the the muadzib mouse makes me think about that yes a lot too. yeah I mean, yeah there's the oh, a lot of setting up for part right two. i really like that that was um that was a nice addition. I think they, you know, again, they're thinking about like what didn't Frank Herbert do well. And in fact, listening to you guys in, on your podcast, you often, I think my brother more so than than you, mm. Connor McLevin. Um, sorry when I say you, I, I know I'm grouping both <laughs> of you. Okay. But you often had different styles or your own disagreements, but yeah. um, you often commented on the podcast about how something would feel like it came out of nowhere uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and here we see right Villano um, consciously being like well okay so we're going how do we thread some of these ideas into earlier chapters yes. or scenes um, when they're not there but of course so they use the visions uh, which is a very clever um, and very visual uh, method to to lay some of that groundwork so that we're not 
taken by surprise or like you know um, and and it's a good way of incorporating characters too again like the cast of this story changes a lot over the course of this book mm. a lot of people die a lot of new people come in in the middle um that's not necessarily great for a film uh so we see i know people complain that chani was heavily relegated to the visions um but i still unless you make some maybe potentially much more awkward choices about bringing her into the story earlier somehow then incorporating her into the visions felt like a good way to give an important character screen time when they weren't part of the story uh definitely and i thought that was i thought that was a fine choice um and certainly better than no choice mm -hmm. um which of course is still a choice but um yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think the movie didn't. I know we're still talking about Fremen. But that's like, yeah, that's uh, all good. You know, one criticism I saw and I agree with is that the film doesn't do a very good job of um, refuting a, a white savior reading or lens all of the potential is there for part two to follow through on that but i wouldn't for my one watch i didn't feel that part one strongly um you know or, or made it clear that that paul as a savior of the friend was going to go poorly um or that this would be a reputation of that that common film trope mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I am hoping that part two makes a stronger statement there, and that's where it makes sense for the movie, especially if you're thinking of it as a part one and part two of one simply larger film. But, right. Uh, yeah, I think, um, and I, I mean, yeah, I, I certainly don't think it is... Um, it never feels like the the film is shouting it at you, but I I do think just like how we're saying with the, even just like having like the Muad'Dib mouse in the movie to to later be like oh yes I see how this will be relevant in part two even though the movie doesn't make a point of even ever calling it Muad'Dib or, or focusing on it you know I think similarly right. the, um, I think one of the single best scenes in the entire film I was stunned by by how it opened I loved it. The very beginning of this movie, um, it, it chooses to start with a narration from Chani. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's it's so smart because obviously it's catching the audience up to speed of like the political landscape and all that. But really what I felt like it accomplishes, and, and the reason why I'm, I'm bringing it up in response to what you said, Brendan, is um, it, it puts the, the Fremen right at the heart of the conflict. You know, Chani says in no uncertain terms, like, the, you know, these freaking colonizers are coming in, and they destroy our land, and they kill us, and they take our natural resources, and, you know, they they don't care how many of us are, are killed. In fact, they're actively trying, they want more of us to die, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I like that because I remember thinking, even in the book, it doesn't ever feel like, to me, it didn't ever really feel like the Fremen are, like, even 
fighting necessarily. Like I didn't feel like there was like a Fremen Harkonnen conflict that like I wasn't aware of. Like, um, and and here it, it it feels like the the Fremen in the film have like a much more active role in like defending their land. Mm-hmm. Um, but here but here's the second thing, and it's the reason why I really thought of this scene. And Chani's like, oh, and then one day the Harkonnens left by imperial decree. Uh, and I don't know, the line is something to the effect of like, you know, who will, who will our next oppressors be? And then it cuts immediately to Paul. And yeah. um, it's just such a great use of cinematic language with the edit of showing that this is the fam- regardless of their intentions... Yeah, the the film is is trying to direct your focus and and to to give you a space to think about the Atreides as would be oppressors over yeah. the Fremen. Um, so I, I think it at least has that setup, which I appreciate very much, and I, I wanted yeah. to throw that out there. Agreed, and the film is, you know, is attempting to do a better job of this you know it's it's taking this book from the 70s and it's or sorry 69 or 65 65 65 65, there we go um which i mean was already a tale as old as time when it was written but um about indigenous people and oppression but the uh you know the book is still you know there's still so much power in perspective and the book and the film both primarily take place from the perspective of the Atreides family and their circle um, till till we get quite far along. Uh, and uh, there's still more I think you could do with, with cinema to uh, to try and show how things are affecting the people who who live on to uh, but that's that's a difficult it's, it's a you know we can always say that that a piece of art can do more mm-hmm. else because the choices of of the, the medium are essentially infinite uh, you know we, we just talk about what we get um, so, yeah, I think you're you're definitely right to point out the narration. I'd be excited to see that cut when I watch the movie again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I um, it's it's interesting because, I mean, it, it's it's a definitely a hotly debated uh, you know, topic online in regards to the movie and and this kind of resurgence and in interest in the book. Um, about the whole white savior narrative um and it's it's uh you know all of the the hardcore fans are are saying oh you know clearly it's it's uh subverting that trope and it's about how terrible that can be um and uh, you know the the actual book itself is 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 not clearly defined there's there's muddy waters i think this is a chance to maybe um be a little bit more direct and a little bit more clear um on on what these 
these themes are and, and, and what, you know, we we believe Frank Herbert was trying to say. Um, and I think I think Denis, you know, in, in uh, the examples Connor gave, at least. And, and there's a few other, uh, you know, the, the, the first meeting with Stilgar, I think, where, you know, Paul agrees with Stilgar <clears throat> about how, how, you know, they they the Atreides gives nothing um, and, and just. Uh, you know, is, is going to use their land and stuff, and and and, and Paul's like, yeah, you're right, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's I don't think it's going to be you know a focus, um, but I, I do think it's going to be a little bit more clear in the second part because, like other things we've been talking about, the seeds have been planted. Um, <laughs> I think it's you know. A valid, you know, criticism to to say, yeah, we haven't gone that that far into this thing. We want <clears throat> to be more direct and clear, but that, you know, I, I don't think that is what Frank Herbert does or what he would have wanted. I think, you know, Denis understands that, you know, it's about making up your mind for yourself, and uh, you know, unfortunately, that kind of storytelling leads to these disagreements and and. Uh, you know, people thinking it might be problematic, and uh, you know they have every right to think that. But uh, I, I do think it'll be, uh, you know, more clear once we see the the second part. Um, but but I, I think it's a totally valid, you know, critique to have, and it's a it's a totally fine discussion to to have, and both both sides do have uh, merit, I think. Yeah. Um, because it's still, you know, a uh, movie following a, you know, young white pretty boy who is is, you know, going to lead lead the charge and and you know, save the day at least in the first Yeah, movie. who's awesome. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hard to not like Paul. Exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially but, which uh, is Timothy there. Yeah. Which is why I mean um have you heard Brendan that what Denis ultimately wants to do is make a trilogy where he'll have Dune Part 1, Dune Part 2, and then the trilogy would end with Messiah. Because, um... So, sorry. So, covering books 1 and 2? Well, yes, right. Only books... So, it would only be Dune and Dune Messiah. But, of course, because Dune, the book, is being split into two movies... He would just have Messiah as one film. Yeah. But um, he's, Makes he, he's sense. talking a lot about wanting to make a Dune trilogy, like, yeah. uh, with that structure in mind. I think that's, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we even talked about this as we were reading. Um, book two really does feel like part three. Like, you could add it to the Dune book. And call it part three because it mm-hmm. really completes the story of of Paul's arc, and then you get to then you get to the twins, um, right? Three, but um, and and even more of um, I'm sorry, the sister's name again is uh, Ganima. Okay, you're right, Ganima. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, or wait, sorry. I when you said the twins, I was thinking like Leto and Ganema, but are you you're thinking oh. of Paul's sister, Aaliyah? Paul, Aaliyah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank now you. I now <laughs> I realize what you meant. Yeah, yeah. 
I was thinking Aria in my head, and I knew that was wrong. Yeah, uh, right. pretty close though. <laughs> yeah, it was close. <laughs> um, and then it, you know, and then Messiah is a much shorter book, or you know, much closer to the amount of pages he's adapting for each of these films. Yeah. Yes. Um, because then book one is like eight hundred pages, and Messiah is like three sixty, or you know, you get the same. So each movie ends up being roughly 400 pages yeah. of Herbert writing. And then you have, in that sense, it's very... Uh, yeah, I think I think Messiah might even be under 300 pages, honestly. I think it's probably like 250 or something. It's, okay. Yeah, it's it's shorter. And I mean, there's some, you know, debate, but I, but, you know, the, the, the tale that I have been told and I've seen a lot of, um, you know people uh saying you know that it 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 really was initially part of one you know script part of one like a, it was all a continuing story and um it 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 uh could have been the you know both dune and, and dune messiah uh in the one book um barring you know publishers requirements to have a book under you know 1200 pages or or <laughs> 1400 yeah, pages. Yeah, it's more like 500 before you get to all the appendices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's more like 250 pages per film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is is a more accurate. Although my point was that it was roughly an equivalent amount of pages. Yeah, yeah, that, Yeah, that's yeah, true. no I got gotcha. you. And the you know the the thing too about it it, it being a trilogy um of films it you know cuz it really would do wonders about people, you know, uh, you know, trying to get the general public to like understand what Dune is really about, and how it's not exactly a, you know, an atypical hero's journey um, kind of thing, um, because that's really where we we stick the landing and and see Paul's downfall, and see you know the uh, the, the the consequences of of um, all of his actions in the first. Uh, book um so so yeah i mean um and i i keep on saying this i said on the last episode too but like i really really freaking want to see timothy chalamet blinded and walking off into the desert to die and 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 right after chani you know zendaya dies in uh, childbirth like that like what a fucking insane way to end a film with like two of the biggest stars in the world that's crazy <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think all that. <laughs> probably not. Well, I mean, it'd be like the fun of it. Like, I don't think there'd be any outrage, but like, I, I think it'd be yeah, very uh, like melodramatic reaction. Oh yeah, online. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that really would be the place. Like, of course, um, Dune Part Two should i think be more explicit in in this idea of um paul not being a white savior um or or at least being a means to like deconstruct and and challenge that trope um but like i I, connor's definitely right to point out like messiah would be the, the part it's like not only are we going to confront that but like we're going to destroy Paul. Like, right. He's, he's like, uh, 
I mean, he saved no one, you know? Like, that that's really would be the thing. Like, he's just revealed outright to be, you know, no one's savior. No, no one is happy um, about what's happened in the first Dune book. Paul, most of all. And, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll probably be crossing our fingers again because right after Dune Part 1 came out, we were like, where is the green light for Dune Part 2? Like, what the fuck? Come on. Like, and, you know, sure enough, it happened. But, like, there was this very stressful moment at a time where it's like, what if they only, like, essentially make half a movie? And um, I'm very grateful that we're going to get Dune's Part 1 and 2. And, and if that's all we get, uh, I think, that, you know, that that's certainly more than the Dune community has even gotten close to getting throughout their whole existence in yeah. terms of, like, any any acknowledgement. So this is, like, a big deal, but holy shit, I really hope we get Messiah is, is really all I'm trying to say now that we're talking about it. That would be hu- huge. Mm-hmm. Um, especially even for just, like, thinking... Um, Talking about like what what our ideas of Dune were was like before we read Dune. Like, I didn't even know that there were sequel books until we started reading Dune, and then we started reading Dune. And my immediate perception was like, okay, there's sequel books, but like they all fucking suck, right? Like, why would anyone read them? They're just completely superfluous and disposable. Um, I mean, one of my big revelations is I don't think that that's true at all. So like, if if that could be shown to um, general audiences in the form of a movie, too, like, I mean, that's a pretty big win. So yeah, for sure, we shall see. I well, mean, that actually gets to. Oh, sorry, Connor. Oh no, I'm just you know, just say it. It it you know would go great to kind of um, solidifying it as like a big IP or a franchise, I guess. Um, you know what? You know one of those gross words, um, <laughs> where where you know we could maybe get uh, Dune, you know, TV series and movie, you know, more movie. Like it just it opens the gates for more, I guess, yeah. potential. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully all goes well. What were you gonna say, bro? Well, one of the things I'm reminded that I thought I knew about Dune, or that I knew going into it was that Dune is a series that takes place over millennia. Mm. Um, And so actually I was very confused, maybe even a little dismayed that the three books do not take place over any particularly notable span of time. In fact, I was pretty, I don't want to say confused, but um, it definitely was not what I thought I knew about Dune. The fact that it, took place basically just on one planet. It was basically a very small story in terms of it's a huge story, but you know it, through books yeah. one and two you're really just dealing with a family mm-hmm. um, and like one socio-political situation that yeah, yes the entire galaxy was involved in but which only had scenes taking place on Dune like the Emperor came to Dune. The Baron Harkonnen came to Dune. Um, everyone, you know, really we were mostly getting scenes on Dune. There was a little bit of the Harkonnen homeworld there. 
eventually you get more of the Emperor's planet. By the time you get to book three, you start opening up into a more that more sci-fi idea if you come from Star Wars and Star Trek of lots of different worlds, yeah, civilizations, and that's where we start branching out. But the really tiny, whiny stuff, I don't think it's going to book four, which I didn't make it to. Only the wibbly wobbly stuff before them. Yeah, <laughs> but that was something I thought I knew about Dune going in. I was like, oh yeah, Dune is a sci-fi series that takes place over twenty or thirty thousand years. Yeah. Um, and then so the fact that it really just covered one generation in right the thousand pages that I read was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, do you feel like was was it like disappointing to discover that, or is it something that? No, I loved it. I loved yeah. what I got. Um, but it was again. I'm not even sure. I think I had that idea from one of the film, maybe the sci-fi miniseries. Um, that, uh, but I was expecting like right chapters or the different parts of books to like actually skip. Mm-hmm around by by large spans of time uh, yeah yeah and that that didn't but that was based on very little knowledge or you know no real knowledge that was just based on it was just again that impression i had from very little exposure to the doom series right as uh the mighty mighty boston's once said that's just the impression that i get <laughs> they did say that <clears throat> yeah, uh, I, it, it is kind of funny how that how that happens. Um, do you think that you'll ever go back and like read book four and continue on your Dune reading journey? Always a possibility, um, especially if my brother lends it to me. Huh? Certainly. What? Should what I would quick. like to know. Sure. Um, what what I would like to know is is you know, you know, I, we we've talked about the movie a good bit. Um, you know, obviously, these conversations never end. Um, right. but as far as because because you've read you know Dune, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune, I'd like to get a little bit into the the you know the later books story wise. Okay. Um. And yeah, you know, we, we've talked about how Dude Messiah is um, kind of a deconstruction of, you know, the myth of Muad'Dib, I guess. But also, I think one thing that Connor and I uh, really um, enjoyed, you know, parsing through was like it got a lot weirder, like really fast. Um, <laughs> the you know the universe kind of opened up a little bit, and we have suddenly we have Golas and. You know, we have the um, right. the the guild navigator, um, and just all these things kind of um, come face to the dancers, forefront. face dancers. Yes, yeah, face dancers. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I I'd like to get your thoughts on the 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 uh, second and third books, because um, because you know, obviously the movie only covers half of the first book. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
one of the things that I wasn't expecting, again, since we know now a little bit about what my expectations were, um, is how much the, this book, Dune, is about ecology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with that how much this book transported me to thinking about water and water scarcity Mm. uh, uh, books two and three do not do that um, in the same way they in fact we kind of usurp it because we actually realize that like water is a poison yeah. to the doing ecology. And so while the first book the first book treats us like the Atreides, like people coming from a water rich world into this new desert biome, and we come with our own assumptions about you know, about how much water we need and about like how awful it would be to be without that much water. Um but books two and three, three more so, I, I think, if I'm remembering my splits correctly, you know, begins to really teach us, like, well, hey, this is a desert biome, mm-hmm. and ter- adding a bunch of water to it is kind of a weird dream. Um, what's interesting is that the Fremen are sold on this idea, too, not just the colonizer but the indigenous people are also like yes it yeah. would be great to not be to have to turn my siblings into water <laughs> when they die <laughs> um and to develop you know ways of killing people because we are a war oriented society but which also needs to minimize the amount of blood spilled while we're fighting because we are literally that concerned about water yeah. at every moment. Um, and so they're also like, yes, it would be great to have lots of water. And, um, you know, they get involved with, um, with the geologist that the representative of the emperor, um, I forget his correct title. Uh, oh, um, Planet geologist, I think. The, Planetary ecologist, or or plant something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something yeah like the, and then who's also then, for whatever reason, in charge of the handoff of one family to the next? Yeah, the judge of the change. Weird, yes. yeah, weird political system that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, I wanted to. I know I kind of skirted your question a little bit because I, but I really wanted to bring ecology into it. And Absolutely, it's, it's something the film doesn't spend a ton of it, time on. It it grazes the surface so just just barely. Um, yeah, I, you can't ignore it in Dune. No, no, you can't. But you also can't because unless you're sitting with it again, like if you had a long series or again in a book you can really drive home because it, it really comes through in a lot of the mundane moments and the, the day-to-day sort of world building. Um, but the movie does its best to, to encapsulate that idea. And the little conversation they add with the trees in the courtyard of the main fortress yep. um, 
does a good job of that. We we get to see the caretaker, and the, and you know, and they're like, oh, so we should we should stop watering the trees because it's like you could give water to like a hundred families yeah. a day, or, save lives, yeah. you know. And then they're like, well, no, these trees have so much energy and resources have been poured into these trees that they represent, you know, a dream and are yeah. significant to us as well at this point. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, so, right, the film tries to bring those ideas in. I think it does a, a good job. Um, but, right, we want to talk more about Messiah and Children of Doom. Um, well, just to... To put those two pieces together, because... Cool, please. Like, you were kind of talking about how in the first book, like, yes, there is kind of, like, this shared dream. And it is interesting, because it, it kind of connects to, like, the way that the Fremen are even manipulated by, like, the Bene Gesserit. Like, mm-hmm. the Fremen themselves would not believe in the Messiah if it weren't for the missionary or Protectiva. And similarly, mm-hmm. yeah, they wouldn't believe... Presumably, they they, they would not be co-opted into this dream quote-unquote of terraforming the planet if it weren't for um kind father right um yeah and it is weird because it's another thing where like i like the bene Gesserit are openly clearly manipulative um Kynes's father it very dubious like i i don't think he's ever trying to uh maliciously like yeah. you know uh, manipulate these people for his own gains. He's like truly believes this is the the right move. And I think one of the things that um, Dune and you know by extension Herbert um, spends so much time exploring and showcasing in such a fascinating way is like, yeah, like of course uh, it, it's a natural impulse for people to want to. Um, change the environment to better suit them and like the desert is like the most extreme example of that the desert is literally inhospitable for humanity and so humanity is like hey what if we took all this land that is just like dog shit hell and we just like made it like a place that we could live and it feels like Step two would be like, yes, and that's great. <laughs> and Dune really does show us that um, it's not. Because not only is there this like unknowable chain reaction of consequences, the way that all things are linked. He has this great mm-hmm. quote right before Kynes uh, dies. He, he has this like profound realization. <laughs> He's like the, the true understanding of ecology is like the the understanding of consequences or something mm. and then he, he dies um yeah but like especially on a, on a planetary <laughs> yeah right he fucking explodes yeah but like <laughs> on a planetary scale of course because we're looking at it through dune the planet like you you get to see the way that it impacts everything but also and i think this is shown through um like the, the the different animals that Herbert um, has living in the desert, particularly the sandworms, of course. But like, he really fills out the the desert. Like he talks about the birds, he talks about the mice, he talks about yeah the the different vegetation that already exists there. Like, yeah. all I really want to land on here too is like, um, you know, 
reading through Dune is is Herbert also uh, trying to get this idea across that the desert is not there to be terraformed. Like the desert is its own like rich, vibrant environment. And it's a mistake to think of it as just endless expanses of sand with nothing inhabiting it. Like Herbert goes into so much detail about the different kinds of sand that there are, the different rock formations, the different kinds of grass and shrubs, the way that like, you know, things carve out these tiny niches uh, to survive. And like, it's not, you know, you destroy that by making it better for humanity. And like, it's not an equal trade-off, you know? Um, so the further you go into the future of Dune and the more that Dune does like kind of go down that path that was set out for it by Kynes' father, um, it, it is funny because everything in the first Dune book does kind of feel like, Hey, wouldn't it be better if we did this? You know, like if we change Dune and if Paul becomes emperor and all, and the Fremen are freed and all that shit. And then every other book after Dune says, no, none of it's better. You fucked it all up. Yeah. And books two and three, I mean, two, I mean, certainly the other books too, and that'd be another conversation if you do read them. But yeah, even in Messiah and Children of Dune, the idea that, um, you know, Herbert is really just exploring like an endless chain of consequences. You know, that's yeah. that's exactly true. And I mean, you know, Brendan, if if you do read on, there is. Uh, sort of resolution to that in a way. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a continuing thread. Yeah. yeah. So again, you know, we I think we started with this question of like, right, we're laughing to ourselves. What is Dune about? You know, yeah, like, yeah. One of the things I was most surprised and taken by, right, is that Dune is a book about ecology, um, and um, and right, we talk about Kynes and Kynes's father. And they go native. So we also have this interesting refutation from multiple angles of, I mean, I'm air quoting white savior. But, mm-hmm. you know, we have people from all sorts of different facets with different levels of intention and different levels of commitment to the indigenous people. But they all, right, share a same or a similar. Um, uh, failing, you know, or, um, you know, I'm forgetting the word in, in literature and film where someone has like a, an Achilles heel, but right. They all want to help make this better. But as you say, they want to do it through intervention, through, through adapting the world to fit humanity's needs rather than humanity finding its own niche in this universe. Um, and then Frank Herbert gives us a whole bunch of what is less clear is his own philosophy about whether or not this planet makes better humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whether or not humanity is better for adversity or whether humanity is better for comfort or, you know, whatever else. And some of it is like, eh. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Maybe not that great. And I never really became super clear what the author thinks which is also fine in and of itself sometimes you just don't want a lot of the author in the story but um, 
I, it's it, I in mean, lieu of that, you yeah. have to try and pull it out of what happens to the characters. Yeah, who is rewarded and who is punished? But that's also a bit more convoluted in Dune because again, it it keeps going. Right, it is an endless series of consequences. So someone who might feel rewarded at the end of book one or book two might not feel very rewarded by the end of book three or their totally on so yeah yeah you, the the conclusion i mean there's there is no conclusion but um what what i've kind of thought nearing the end and this you know no spoilers but um Frank Herbert, you know, is is certainly has opinions and certainly has uh, philosophies of his own and, uh, you know, a moral compass that sometimes is questionable. But um, the, I, I, I think he's always very adamant about not telling the reader what to think or not. So, I, I yeah. you know, I think he plays both sides um, in in a lot of the the story and um yeah sometimes that's frustrating because you're like well what the like like what does this guy believe like you know is he is he advocating for this this terrible thing and like i i think sometimes it's just like these are like literally just thoughts that he has that he's playing out on the page you know and and he's not trying to to say one way or the other if they are good or bad um so it's it's interesting and um i think there there is a lot of unintentional um you know i guess platforming of like weird ideas (laughs) or yeah you know or like iffy uh you know statements yeah Yeah. i think in a lot of ways like talking about frank herbert and talking about these characters, it's like definitely feels like it's no accident that um, he is the author of this story. Just in that, like, I think we could describe Herbert with like broad brushstrokes, kind of like how you might describe, you know, Pardot Kinds too, where it's like, oh yeah, like I, I think for the most part, Herbert has like the best of intentions. Like he's obviously mm-hmm. a fairly progressive dude, being like a middle-aged white guy in 1965, you know, like that's only going to get you so far the further down the, the road of history that you go, you know, here in 2021, that's not going to have the same weight. Right. Um, but I, I I do think like, um, there's plenty of criticism to levy at Herbert and Brendan, the more that we go on, through dune dudes the more we're talking about frank herbert like yeah <laughs> most of the time most of the yeah. time at the end we're pretty much only talking about frank herbert like it's insane but it, it it gets to a point where you know like like ha- like more than half of the characters are like mouthpieces for frank herbert yeah and and it's like in in in, in kind of an obvious way and you know i feel like in most stories i would hate that that would be really i that's nothing that i want to to see or experience um but i mean somehow it so you know usually works but, yeah because uh, <laughs> just just because there's so many facets of him and any any i mean you know he, he he keeps all these thoughts 
you know, separated, but also very, um, like, makes it all seem very organic. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, we we th- th- we we go deep into the the mind of Frank Herbert <laughs> as as the series progresses, and uh, I think we that might be, anyways. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I think that might be one of the reasons that people stop reading, maybe. Um, I don't think it's it's for everyone. I don't think it's everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, for better or for worse, I, I find him fascinating. I find my idea of him fascinating. The more I think about Frank Herbert and the way that I think about him, like, I also recognize I obviously don't know him. You know, I'm making a lot of assumptions and projecting a lot of my own thoughts onto him and, like, I, I think it's funny because, like, there's this really good, like, feedback loop where, like, that's a lot of what his story is about. Like, Dune is also so much about, like, you getting to know these characters, and then as time goes on, like, they become part of, like, the historical narrative that other characters reference. You exactly, know? Like, yep, yep, yep. You get to Leto, and Leto's talking about Muad'Dib, and, you know, like, the, yep. the way that these characters are used for, like, their... their... um like like their social currency or, or their like historical importance it's like i think frank herbert would you know get a fucking kick out of me trying to piece him together through dune because yeah. like that's a lot of what dune itself is about exactly um absolutely so yeah. i don't know yeah. it's all We're, weird yeah uh, yeah that, right. that's that that's a really interesting way to look at it yeah yeah this is a story about big time about ecology, about indigenous peoples, about, you know, um, like an early sort of, you know, where you have an aristocracy, you know, a, a merchant class, um, and, uh, and an imperium. So you've got like an early sort of like British Empire sort of yeah. um, tripod. And then you've got religion. You've got uh, psychotropic drugs, you know, yes. very timely <laughs> for the 60s. We have a lot about hallucinogenics um, and spiritual engagement with with drug culture um, and expansion of one's mind. Um, and then you've got, you know, more classical science fiction, you know, trappings of, you know, gadgets and space travel and... Uh, and swords and shields. Um, you also have a really interesting universe, though, where like high technology is rejected, and there's been a de advancement or a, or a clear focus that all technological development would be more or less analog mm. um, and not digital. Um, so we end up with a very different sci-fi universe than most that we engage with which are typically very digital in their imaginings of the future uh, and that fits well both because he's making predictions from 1965 <laughs> and so his universe feels more timeless and interesting because it imagines sort of you know it's not steampunk but it's not it's not what we think of you know, from like Star Trek, uh, wow. at all. Um, so, uh, 
you know, so we, we get so much right again, which is why we chuckle when we say, like, what is Dune about? And what is this movie going to focus on Dune being about? Because the books are about all of these things. Yeah. Just their first three. Yeah. It, it really does feel like... I, I think uh, maybe that's where I'll, I'll try and close off here and maybe I'll see if there's anything else you want to talk about. But I think we'll we'll wrap up at this point. But, like, it is crazy just... Especially when you start talking about, like, how much Dune really is about. And yet, um, I, I think we would agree from, from the books that we've read, like, it doesn't ever feel, like, overstuffed or muddled. It's not ever, like... It's yeah. not like you can't articulate what it's about because it's unclear. Like, Dune does have, like, a, a, a clear narrative to it, and the things that it is engaging with is, like, um, you know, very, very deliberate and, and understood. But it tackles so many things, it feels like it should be tripping over itself. And yet, Herbert is somehow able to, like, bring all these things together in a way that feels like... It, it's because of how they link together. It's because of those consequences, right? Like, it's not just consequences in ecology and consequences over time. It's consequences of, like, well, you know, th this technology impacts this, or this treaty impacts this, or this, you know, like, all the things that he's bringing in, I, I guess the reason that I, I feel like they work, it's like none of them are, are discussed as, like, in isolation, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's all about how they fit together, like... I feel like Herbert feels like, well, if I am going to talk about religion and how, you know, humanity makes it itself and what it becomes over time, then I kind of need to talk about, like, government. And I need to talk about how people use religion to manipulate things. And, you know, like, it, it just everything forever. Like, yeah. it's crazy. He's a crazy motherfucker. Yeah. Um... Okay. Uh, I mean, this was a really cool discussion. I, I, if you don't have anything else, that's cool. It's no pressure, but I did want to just open the floor and, and pretty much like, is there anything we didn't touch on or talk about that, that you might want to say, bro? Sure. Yeah. So, so I riffed and then you riffed off of that. And I think we think about June doing all of these things. And again, it's not muddled. It's not confusing. Um, parts of it are for sure better than other parts. And I think that's... Um, when we think about this from, like, right, this Frank Herbert perspective, like what did he want to achieve? And, like, is all of this complexity because he, he wanted to, you know, he, like, set for, for himself this goal create this very believable universe in which he wanted to convey an idea of humanity being the primary mover um, and yet we live in a world filled with mysticism with a lot of small stories of people who are trapped in the moment, in the present, and that the book is offering us perspective that we, we lack in our own real lives. Like, we live here at 2021, but we are living at the, you know, 
at a point in time, which is the culmination of various projects that have been going on, some of them for hundreds of years, some of them for thousands of years. Um, and, and Frank Herbert tries to, to show us where we are right now, where humanity is going, but, but always that humanity is making these choices. People are making these choices in the moment. You, the reader, have the ability to, you know, to create these impacts um, on society uh, for yourself. And to, I don't know, I guess, I feel like right, Frank Herbert wants to give us clarity um, that, you know, we live in, a, we are always living in a peculiar moment or an interesting moment in time called the present. And, um, but not to feel like everything we have inherited had to be that way. That was people making choices all along the way. A lot of them selfish and arbitrary and by people who themselves were very much stuck in their own moment in time. And, and so as inheritors of humanity's history, we are not beholden to people's choices from the past. We shape our own destinies, but also to be aware that as we do that, that there will be consequences which spill out into the, the endless eons that exist ahead of us, that humanity might exist for a hundred thousand or a hundred million or a billion more years. Um, not that we are responsible for trillions of humans living trillions of lives on into some endless future, but you know, also don't not ever think about it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how Herbert would, uh, would, would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't and not do think about it. This. Exactly. That makes it a really cool and a really special sci-fi series. That also needs to be sci-fi because you can't really talk about big time very well in other genres. No, I don't. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's my final cherry on top. Uh, doom, doom thoughts. No, that, that was really well said. Absolutely, um, yeah. Thank you for that, bro. There, there is, you know. I mean, I I feel like this conversation could be, you know, um, multiple days. Um, there, there's, oh, there's like, there's, there's so much to dig into. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, as as we're wrapping up, I, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to know, you know, just just your thoughts on if you were to continue reading Dune and read mm-hmm. the final three books. Um, what are some of your preconceived notions or ideas or thoughts of what these these you know three final books um, contain? They contain a person who has become a worm, who has become a <laughs> god, who is struggling with the realization that even gods are still confined by the universe and by their own actions, and they're not nearly as omniscient all-powerful or, you know, um, or free from responsibility as we mythologize gods to be. That, that's what I think I would get from wow. three more books. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say you hit the nail on the head, but, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Precisely. <laughs> yeah. But I'd love to see how Frank Herbert actually tells it. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's it's you know what whatever you expect it to be like, it's not that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all I have to say. It's it's um. It's going to be way different than what you expect, and you're going to love some of it. Some of it's going to be really great stuff you can sink your teeth in into, and then um, some stuff you're going to be like, you know, I I don't know if I want to read this book anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, it's just it's uh, and, and then you're going to think of those moments like you know months later, and you're still going to be like, I don't know if I should have kept reading this book. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if, if, uh, you do get around to reading it, that would definitely be uh grounds for another great discussion. But yeah, as, as Connor mentioned, and, uh, to the surprise of exactly no one here in this podcast, uh, we could be talking for much longer. Mm. Um, but I'm very happy with what we, we covered here today. I mean, most of all, um, I just wanted to mention like, one of one of the things that Connor and I like kind of discussed too as we went through, and it's something I, I've thought more and more as as we have gone on is like um, not only is Dune Dudes like you know um, Connor and I talking about Dune, but it kind of um, becomes like a this record of this part of our lives, you know. Um, that it it kind of showcases the way that like we grew in some of like our, our ways of like understanding literature and breaking down stories, even just like weird life events. Like, you know, Tony was my girlfriend when the podcast started. Now I got engaged. You know, she's your shit fiance. Like that. She's my fiance. Um, but but all that's to say is. Um, Connor and I are are in the process of wrapping up Dune Dudes, essentially, um, since <laughs> since we have um, completed the books and and pretty much set out you know what we wanted to do thus far, um, and that record of our lives would not have been complete in the same meaningful way had you not come onto the podcast. So I I didn't know what we were going to talk about, you know. But the idea was just that I felt like it was really important to have you on here just just to talk about whatever that was going to be. And um, I'm thrilled with what the conversation was, but most importantly, I hope you know, um, I just really value and appreciate you taking the time to be here on the podcast because um, I love you, bro. You know, you're my brother, and um, I really I hold in extremely high regard uh, your thoughts um and opinions and you know on on a ton of shit but a lot of times on on understanding stories and stuff too so um so yeah thank you thank you for being a part of dune dudes officially uh finally because um it was great to have you on i'm I'm very glad we got to have this talk after so long so yeah thank you very much bro it means a lot to me to be here thank you i love you oh 
it was Thanks, great uh, you know to, to hear all of your thoughts I, I, I thought this is you know that th this was a, a terrific conversation um, and as we move on to the next phase of whatever we do next um, it, it, it would be good to you know keep talking and have you on a, uh, you know as as a guest if appropriate and um, and yeah I mean uh, you know thank you for for giving us your your thoughts um your your uh your you know a uh, forever dune dude you know forever <laughs> a part of dude nation um which it's a very exclusive club yeah um do you have any uh parting words any final thoughts that you want to uh you know our you want our massive audience to i i mean i feel like i already burdened or, or unburdened <laughs> nation with my final thoughts as I kind of wrapped up my yes. Yes. my feelings on yes. on the book um, and uh, but to my my brother's uh, you know tale that doom dude is you know more is about more than just some books that Frank Herbert wrote um, it's also about this um, this is a project, you know, with people who, who really matter to him and, uh, and is also its own um, record of these two particularly weird years in yeah. history. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, like I said, Doom Dudes has been a part of my life during the pandemic. Uh, it's been a part, um, obviously, of my life like around me in no small part because connor is you can't get away <laughs> from him dude yeah but, uh, <laughs> even my my partner harley has has listened to some doom dudes oh that's awesome uh, um you know i i think some of my at least some of my co-workers we've talked about doom um i've mentioned the podcast i don't know if they've actually listened to it but um you know it's been really um it's cool because it, it brings a lot more to to the book because it becomes like a multimedia multi-phase experience when you've got you know podcast and you've got a book and once again now we have brand new cinema and yeah and art happening around it um so there's really been no more interesting time to be get into Dune, um, and like I said, I, I just think you. Uh, it's really cool that you followed through on this project that it became as big and as meaningful as as it did, um, and uh, yeah, I'm just really honored and really grateful to have finally uh, been on and. Um, yeah, do keep me in mind as as new projects emerge, or as you circle back around to Dune and potentially twenty twenty three is leave the date slated for again yeah. due to materialize. Oh yeah, uh, I mean we at, at the very least we'll have you on for after that. That's a that's a <laughs> must. That's a must. Who knows what we'll get up to in the meantime? But <laughs> uh, perfect. Uh, and then a quick. Uh, self plug since I'm the special oh, yeah. 
wait, 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 play music mostly uh an eclectic danceable mix of electronic dark wave synthy sounds goth and industrial every thursday night at 9 p.m and i usually play for a couple hours and that's at twitch.tv slash dj underscore Hunter underscore and why? Heck yeah. And, uh, and people can also follow me on corresponding social media um, on Instagram and on Facebook. And people can find me there uh, under a very similar name, DJ period Hunter period and why. Uh, so I'm on all the things. I also play live. People happen to be local to the capital region of New York. Uh, they can catch me once a month at the Whiskey Pickle in Troy, New York. You're a staple, uh, the details right? for those for those dates are always announced on social media, so people can follow me there. That's fantastic. I, um, we'll, we're going to link all of that in uh, the bio of this, uh, or the, the description of the podcast, for sure. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, has been weird uh, doing the, the the Twitch streams as, as opposed to in person because I know you you know when when the pandemic started it you kind of pivoted to fully uh, streaming until you could go back into the actual clubs, right? Yeah, I mean it was a big pivot. Had never yeah. played online, you know. Had been a resident DJ of a local club here known as the Fusebox um, for a couple of years. And then the pandemic happened. Um, it's a very different space. Because mm. normally, not only are you playing to an audience when you play live, um, but you're also playing for the venue. So you want to create spaces for people to coalesce on mm. the dance floor as a collective, but then also to leave it and be good patrons of the bar. Oh. So you're always playing to and trying to create that flow um, of getting people sweaty on the dance floor and then playing some slower tracks or some stuff that maybe you're interested in, but you know, like we'll let people talk and be social and, yeah. and have around and then bring them back and then do it again. Mm. Uh, but online is not that at all. In fact, most people only tune in for like five minutes on average. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're, playing at a higher tempo for longer you kind of want you never know when someone is going to join you so you're always trying to be like interesting and yeah. like having a catchy track whenever someone might stumble in um i've also tried to cut down the intro <laughs> so it's tough most people tune in at the start <laughs> but if i talk for too long then um not that i it's not 
a literary, you know, event. So I'm not. It's not Dune. It's not Dune dudes. I I just, yeah, I get in and I play some music for a couple hours. Um, Always trying to feature a lot of new artists. People can actually see the artists and the tracks that I'm playing. And that set list builds as I do it. Um, So it's a way for people to hopefully find music. Um, experience music and you know just kind of sit back and enjoy for a couple hours or dance you know if they're in yeah. the mood Thursday night is a weird time to maybe like dance younger people but um, but it's been a good space for me in terms of like my schedule um, and then it's been really nice being back live uh, once a month and, oh yeah and having that on Saturday nights um that that gives me all the things that I was missing yeah. from the, the live space before because they're very different beasts. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool that you can keep up doing both things now. Um, <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't truly know <laughs> the <Yeah. laughs> trajectory of, of this. But, um, so but yeah, I mean, as, as far as I can see, you know, you're doing uh, very cool things. So, so you know, if, if any of that sounds interesting to you listeners, <laughs> please check Brendan out. Um, looks like yeah, it com- comes time. highly recommended. I, yeah, I can say from personal experience, uh, his show is fucking sick. So, yes, please listen. Check it out for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that, thank you again. Uh, Connor, I think it's time to take us out. This is it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DuneDudesPod at gmail.com. You can email us. Or no, sorry. Twitter is just at DuneDudesPod. The The email address is uh, different. You can email us at DuneDudesPod <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, and then also at TV on both Twitter and Instagram. And... Until next time, perhaps the final time. Brendan, would you like to say peace out to Dude Nation? Doom Dude Nation, it's been an incredible journey filled with beautiful people and excellent commentary. Whatever the future holds, it's going to be spicy (laughs) (laughs) till next time in whatever iteration much love peace out perfect thank you